Warning. The following podcast contains two morons talking about sophisticated subject matter, like ninus and hoo-hahs. Also, a few whoopsie-daisies and at least one house or ante. If you don't have a strong stomach, you know where the door is. Right. On with the shenanigans, then. The podcast which you are about to hear is an account of the tragedy which befell two washed-up losers. In particular, Court Psyops and his immature co-host, Matt. It was all the more tragic in that they were uncultured morons. But had they lived very, very full lives, they could not have expected nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see each week. For them, an idiotic podcast show became a nightmare. The events of each week were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, Cinema Psyops with Court and Matt. What is Psyops? Psyops for psychological operations is very simply the art of influencing how people feel and think and ultimately how they behave and what they do. You don't have to defeat the enemy on the battlefield. It's better if you can convince the enemy to do what you want him to do without having to fight him. And that's really the intent behind Psyops, to convince people to do what you want them to do. So how does PSYOPs fit into what's happening now? The two points I'd like to make with you and the audience is that, first and foremost, PSYOPs save lives. The second thing I'd like to say, a lot of people have misconception about PSYOPs. They think it's something devious and brainwashing. say you don't know exactly what's going on right now, but we do know that there are some psyops going on, right? Ma'am, I don't know. Cinema psyops. And I believe with all of my heart that it is a contributing factor to our juvenile delinquency of today. Why I believe that is because I know how it feels. I know what it does to you. Cinema psyops. They think it's something devious and brainwashing. episode of Cinema PsyOps. That is 306 consecutive weeks of me, your host, Court, attempting to blow out his vocal cords to say hello to you like he's fucking Robin Williams in Good Morning Vietnam. And joining me all the way across the city of Omaha is my co-host, Matt. Hello, instead of Good Morning Vietnam, is it Hello Vietnam? Yeah, kind <laughs> Good of. Good day, Vietnam. Well, I kind of talked about this to my wife and she told me that I should probably tell everybody kind of why I started doing that. Alright, All right, so like every podcast that I used to love way, way back in the day, they had a little thing and most podcasters to this day still do this where they try to do their own specific special greeting thing to kind of bring in the show and often when they do said things, they attempt to do it in such a way that it is memorable and unique to them specifically and the one that always stuck in my head and I think the reason that I decided to do this 
this was the main man F-13 of Cinema Diabolica. Because he would start the show with like this this bit of music that was just like this build up, you know, riff or whatever it was. And then he would come in and it was always like this big band swing, like where it felt like you were coming into a fucking good old fashioned talk show, you know? And then he would come in and be like, hey, hey, hey. And it, I can't do it any fucking justice. But what the way, I mean, F-13's fucking voice, right? I mean, yeah. I got an okay voice, but he's got the voice that I would fuck the devil for. That's not really that much of a stretch. I'd probably do yeah, that anyway. Yeah, I, I was about to say, that doesn't, sounds like you would do that just for like, you know, a, a nutter bar. <laughs> Perhaps, yeah. Like a, another another shake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, some um, more candy, please, devil. <laughs> right. So he he was doing that. And then, you know, I've noticed other podcasters would have their own specific thing where they would try and start the show. And I was trying to think like, well, what could I do? You know, what what do I have? And what I have is the ability to shout for an extended period of time through the fact that I've been a rage monster since I was little. Why not shout, use that? Shout. Shout for the devil. <laughs> it's actually shout at the devil, but I'm more likely yeah. to shout with the devil. So you are yeah, correct. I was <laughs> You're accurate to me, but inaccurate to the song. So that's there you go. Yeah. Uh fuck, man. It's been uh, it's been a hell of a time for court, but I am gonna soldier fucking through. Everybody that's on my Facebook knows. Uh, uh, my my Father's Day present this year was to find out that my cat is diabetic. And yeah, in, that's not a it's not something that's a behavior you usually see from a cat. No, it's actually a lot more common than you think. There's it's very oh, it? very oh. genetic and things like that. Um, where it just runs in certain breeds. Um, the doc doctor reassured us that it was nothing that we did because my anxiety kept telling me it was all my fault and stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. You, like don't wanna, yeah you don't need that in your life. So, right. So, you know, I was really, really bummed out. Um, we're putting him on a treatment schedule and I'm still really, really fucking bummed out and I'm dropping out of character for a second just to kind of, yeah, just to kind of fucking just own it. And then I'll be right back in and everybody will be fine. And all you right. won't even believe that that's the transition when I'm going to do it. So anyway, <laughs> All right. <laughs> Shatner pause. That's going to get cut out. Nobody yeah. gives a shit. <laughs> uh, do, do you want me to go to warp or what are we doing around here? No, no, no. <laughs> number one, I order you to take a number two so I can make a <laughs> Beavis and Butthead joke. <laughs> well, about goddamn time one of us is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it only took us 306 episodes. Yeah. Uh, we got to, we got to, f- I don't want to talk about it. This one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I was expecting significantly worse than what I got, but Same. I was I was hoping for slightly better than what we got. Yeah, I get what you mean. I was both relieved and yet at the same time a little more disappointed. This film was like 90 minutes of edging with no promise of release. Yeah, there you go. That's uh that's that's the best way I could probably describe it as well. Yeah, yeah. And I have okay, you have your thing where like the last couple of movies, and I'm not gonna reveal mine just yet i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna hold it till the end of the review to give my synopsis um as to what it is and to, unless there's a certain point where i found out that i decided that that's this type of film you know like your thing was the first one was written by a you know film school kid oh yeah and the second one was a dude on coke right out of film school spending some of the budget on coke because that's how it yeah, was yeah, yeah. the third one was like the doom metal stoner hessian guys version of a texas chainsaw massacre movie in his head yeah Pretty much. The fourth one was, I don't even know what we just, oh, the meth addict version of the film. Like how a meth addict would describe what they think a Texas Chainsaw Massacre film is from the title alone, right? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Okay. And then the remake was just a soulless corporate rehashing, like attempt at gaining a name recognition dollar. And that was it. And then Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning was attempting to explain the things we fucked up before while actually milking you for more dollars. (laughs) 
in my book, you know, like for These that same source corporation. Now, I have my theory as to what this one is, but I want to hold off on it because for the folks at home that are not going to watch this, but are going to listen to our review, I need them to understand not what Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D is like. I need them to understand that what I did for them, and that is what Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D was like for me. <laughs> to endure in the frame of mind that I wanted to give everybody, right? Yeah. Like, I'm really trying to put on my game face. So if I seem slightly more harsh than I need to be about this film, Matt, I'm going to ask you to rein me in. All right. Um, But I have a feeling that I may still be reining you in. Possibly, I, 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 again, I don't know about being reined in, as, as it were, as much as I just, I feel like we could have done more. I'm not, I, I'm like almost like a parent. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Oh, it's funny that you say that. That as a parent, it makes you not mad, but you know, just slightly disappointed because yeah. this is right after Father's Day. <laughs> yes, and we delayed our recording one day because of Father's Day. Because so. of Father's Day, yeah. yeah. I just. I'm not mad. I am just disappointed. It's just, you, you could have done so much more, Slugger. You want to try again? Yeah, I mean, you, you. I really thought you had something there, and now you, you don't. <laughs> All right, I think we've beat around the bush enough and padded out the front end of this episode. We got three fucking pieces of feedback in this week, All and right. I am super stoked about it, and thank you everyone that knows that they got it in, and uh, well, one person got it in by virtue of the fact that we were recording late. <laughs> Because yes. I'm giving my cat insulin shots and Matt's just running late doing shots. Yeah, well, I'm not doing shots. I ingest them on orders from my new refuse. This will keep it quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You call me cutting a new show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting. But that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? Not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash legion podcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon. And for $5, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash legion podcasts. We appreciate it. And thank you for listening. Now back to the cutting room.
make a mistake Another hysterical craze I'm getting less brave by the day All right, so in the category of, man, that was a really good tri-slugger, but you know... I'm a little disappointed in some of the choices that you made. Texas Chainsaw 3D or Texas Chainsaw 2013 because they want you to ignore that it was a 3D ploy. Yeah. But I'm not going to let them forget. This is Texas Chainsaw No, no, no. 3D. There's definitely some shit that had 3D elements in that. Right. So they need to <laughs> own up to it and call it Texas Chainsaw 3D. Yeah. That's yeah. that's fine. Okay. But one of the things that they didn't learn from past mistakes in the franchise was to feature a song that I just played. For everyone that is on the uh, Legion Patreon feed, the song that I just played is actually the song that you're going to hear in this trailer if you don't if you're on the main feed you're still going to hear it in the trailer but they did the exact same thing that the Texas Chainsaw remake did they hung the emotional balance on such gentle and beautiful music contrasted with such horrific images in the trailer then didn't include that song with any kind of humanity invoking moment like the heroine stands up and starts trying to walk away or you know what I mean and like is like kind of losing it but this is the moment where you feel like maybe she's going to be okay like you give them a moment like that where your final girl is yeah. doing that something anything but no neither one of them featured it in the trailer to get you hooked and thinking that you're gonna have some kind of a moment like that and trick you into feeling like maybe there will be actual emotions in this film unlike the previous entries in the series that have been post 20 odds and possibly yeah, right. even the 90s but no that's all spoiled so enjoy what you get of this song once again in the trailer the beast and me so do you know anything about this place just the address. It's caged by frail and fragile bars. Wow. Restless by day and by night. Rants and rages. Look like Granny likes to play a little pool. What exactly did Granny do for a living? I have no idea. I just learned about her yesterday. The beast in me. that's the trailer it gives you absolutely nothing in an audio format and if they didn't give a fuck then i guess i don't yeah right 
fucking gives a flying fuck. All right. Wow. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D 2013. <laughs> Whatever. Texas 16 different names. <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot quill? Kinda? <laughs> so, all right. We start with the 10 minutes. We get a recap of what happened in the very first movie. I have to say, the- this stuff was actually pretty well done. It, it, The music they put over top of it, the way they re-edited the stuff, the way they made it work in like a sort of flashback thing, it kind of worked for me. I could tell it was a super low budget. I was a little bit bummed out about it. But then I thought, yeah, but everybody at least got to see these moments in 3D. Why didn't they just make a Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D version like they did with like, uh, what was it, Evil Dead, I think I saw in 3D? Well, they knew the new version of Evil... No, Dawn of the Dead, for sure. Yeah. They did a digital 3D version of that, which was incredible. So, you know, why not do that? Why do this? <laughs> right? I, I don't know. Yeah. You're, okay. You're not wrong. This was idea one that I was like, man, that would have... Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. So, well, we see a sheriff shows up. And we see there's more family than you ever saw in the first movie. They all go into the house. Um, Drayton's in there. And then the, the actor who they got to play Drayton, I guess, did all right. That's the dude who played Chop Top. Is it? Yeah. Huh. That's Bill Mosley. That's the guy who played Chop Is Top. Is that Bill Mosley? God, he never looks like the same person twice. He has to act through tons of makeup, but that's why he can be as broad as what he needs to be. I guarantee you, you've seen him in another movie. Oh, yeah? He was one of the main deadites. Whenever the guy comes riding up and says, my lord, they have a, we have them cornered on all fronts or something uh-huh. like that. The yeah. guy who blinks his eyes and looks around and the actor who's actually doing the acting, that's Bill Mosley in makeup, and that's all they really used of him. They could have used so much more of him, but that's Damn. it. That's yeah. all they used. Well, well there you go. Um, <laughs> there you go. So, so anyway, um, the sheriff, he's calling out to the house. He Drayton says that Leatherface or Junior or the boy, uh, he was only protecting the house, and they didn't really know what he was doing. Well, the rest of the family tells him to go ahead and send the boy out. The boy's always been slow, as they put it. Um Drayton does go back into the room, and we see Leatherface in his, you know, garb of what he was wearing in the first movie. I, again, thought, actually, that was actually pretty cool. Uh, I was like, this is kind of cool. They're kind of sticking to things. It The the mask that they were using, it did look similar to the other mask, but they changed it ever so slightly, and it looked kind of rubbery and fake, and it looked like the kind of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1 mask that you could have bought in a store, like, during Halloween, to me. Okay. All right. Uh, and you know what? That's that. I'm not. You know, I I don't have the uh, look on that like you do. Um, like I don't I don't have the eagle eye. I just thought this was pretty cool, and I'm like, well, this is kind of something else. They're kind of going back now. I'm like, well, they've added so many more family members that you know, I just don't see all being a part of this family, but oh well, we're moving on. Right, like the excessive amount of family that's about to die, what they are essentially doing is they are trying to gaslight us about how the first movie ended. Yes, they're trying to gaslight us about how this family actually is. (laughs) Kind of. The entire, you know what, this entire movie is a gaslight. We all got gaslit for an hour and a half. I want everyone to know that. Okay, well that covers a big swath of some of my complaints. Um, (laughs) Since we are in accordance on that we can continue and i fear not that i'm being too harsh all right good 
Um, so anyway, uh, Drayton admonishes him saying, you know, you let that, you know, uh, girl get away. He calls her a bitch, but he, he says you let that little bitch get away. And he comes out and decides that he'll send, he'll send Junior out. Uh, well then all of a sudden all these town folks show up and the leader guy, they're all drunk and the leader guy, they want blood justice. So, uh, they are, uh, surrounding the house. Everyone's kind of getting freaked. And one of them decides to throw a Molotov cocktail at the house and shooting starts. Most of the family's getting shot up and murdered. Um, and one thing I thought was cool is Grandpa was still in there, in the like the Grandpa from the movie. I thought that was kind of cool. Same so, actor but, too. In they did a new makeup, but they got the same actor back. And Gunnar Hansen was, um, I think they called him Boss or something like that. Yeah. He was the big guy with the big fluffy white beard sitting by the window who got a lot of screen time but didn't do a lot. I gotcha. There's a lot um, of cameos in this, which is another yeah. one of those good try, but I'm very disappointed in how you did it. I'm still very disappointed in what you did. Yeah. So, um, they, the house then finally, they're all shot and the house burns down. Um, later on that night, um, as they're kind of going through the wreckage of the house, a man finds one of the women who she's got a, they all have R or, uh, or, uh, S symbols for Sawyer. And they find a woman holding the child. He takes the child saying that it'll help. And then he kicks her face in, killing her. He brings the kid to his wife saying, Hey, I showed you I'd get a wife someday. And then they all get together and take a picture with all the horrific shit around them. We cut to the present day and we see this young lady named Heather. Um, she's working in a meat department grocery, uh, in the grocery store, uh, cutting meat and shit. So, I mean, you kind of already know probably who she is. Um, everybody has probably seen Alexandra Daddario, yeah. I believe well, is her I, name. I meant, uh, I meant the character. We already know that she's probably the kid who we just saw. Just, I mean, they kind of <laughs> slap you in the face with it, but. Yes, the actress as well. Everyone kind of knows her and uh, all that kind of stuff. So. She's slicing steaks out of a good hunk. Like, yeah. real thin, real precise, rather impressively. And you can tell the actress is actually doing it. So she took some time to learn that, at least. Yeah. Like, at least enough time to learn to do it proper. Because she wasn't, did you notice she wasn't bending the blade or anything like that? They were nope. nice, even, very smooth cuts. And it was pretty impressive. I mean, yes, it's on a machine. But, I mean, that was cool. I liked that. I mean... <laughs> If they're going to notice me how in- she's also both our types. Well, yeah, there is that too. Um, yeah. her eyes are just mesmerizing. Okay. Like you just, yeah, that's scary shit. Her <laughs> eyes sometimes. Yeah. Like, I feel if like she stares at you too long. You get a little unnerved. I feel like somebody's like Snapchat filter is constantly on when she's on screen because it's like, yeah, it's like they're too, they're, they're too vivid. They're too like the, the, the blue or something. I don't know what it is, but there's something about her yeah. eyes. That's like, it's unnerving. First of all. Yeah. It, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. You're not wrong at all. <laughs> but not necessarily unnerving in a bad way, but sometimes it can be. It just depends upon whether or not she seems like she's angry. Okay. Yeah, right. Uh, and sometimes it just, it seems a little too long. <laughs> and I think she is um, a, actually a pretty talented actress. This may be one of her earlier roles. I don't know. I can't think of anything I saw her in earlier than this, but um, she definitely becomes a much better actress than what we get in some of the scenes in this, for sure. But I still think, yeah. I, I don't think I'm going too far out on a limb to say that she is of the younger people that are in this the young beautiful people that are supposed to be here is also the best uh actor out of all of them i agree okay yeah all right so cool the reason that they're slapping us in the face with it and
and the reason that we have to know is because we're not watching this trying to figure out whether or not she's the missing girl. What we're trying to figure out is what the fuck does she have to do with what's going to happen now, you know, and why are we seeing her all grown up? Is she going to find out what's going to go on? We're supposed to be questioning the journey she's about to take. Yeah, all right. The pro- I get you. The problem is by just showing her sawing meat immediately after all of that, all those years later, mm-hmm. you ham-fistedly set up her character to be predisposed and to say that it is nature, not versus nurture, specifically in the Sawyer family. Yeah, even more so here coming up with some of the other shit she does. Right, right. So, like, they're trying to say that they ain't right in the head. Yeah. <laughs> All Sawyers are just kind of fucked up. (laughs) Kind of, yeah. Like, yours is a very Wisconsin way of saying it. Mine is very Appalachia Mountains. But it's... It's the same thing, you know, like yeah. they're they're inferring that really ham fistedly here and in the next scene that's coming up. And I just wanted to point that out. Her friend Nikki shows up, calls her out, and she's like, hey, thanks your thank your boyfriend Ryan for sending her up with this dude named Kenny. Uh, and they're all gonna go to New Orleans for Halloween. Um uh she Heather goes home and apparently she makes art with bones from the meat uh, that you know in the in the in the in the grocery store. So again, ham fisted she's a sawyer they they like to do their shit with that you know yeah they're so. definitely ham fisting it yeah they, that sounded weird uh <laughs> so uh um, that's because i stopped and i, I cut myself uh, off and you heard the rage like get clenched down it came through the microphone yeah, to you a very disappointed movie <laughs> um she gets a letter that her grandmother is dead well, her boyfriend says i thought all your grandparents were dead she says yeah she didn't know she had one left well this leads to her meeting with her parents about it and our first clip to have a child. Enough. I wanted to have a Enough. child so Enough, bad Arlene. and I could Enough. Why couldn't you tell me? Tell you what. Your mother has a defective uterus. She wanted a kid. End of story. So what? We're not good enough for you. I didn't say that. I just want to know where I came from and who I came from. Well, we're the ones that raised you. And you were damn lucky, I'd say. Those people were... I can't even put that into words. There are no words for that, Heather. Shut up. You came from a shit heap. There. Now you know. If I had half a mind, I'd have left you there. I'm out. I'm done. Don't even think about going down there. Heather! Heather. Heather. You go down there, you're gonna bring trouble. What are you talking about? Trust me, New Texas is the last place you wanna be. How'd it go? Like shit. It sucks when you find out your parents have been lying to you your whole life. Baby, I'm sorry. I was adopted. I never felt right about them. I'm gonna go pack. For Texas, not New Orleans. Wait, hold no, on. Ryan, I have to go. Forget Kitty, Halloween. Wait, just listen to me. Hey. hey. Ryan called us. Kitty. That's really cool art. Yeah. Kind of figured you want to deal with your grandmother's stuff, so I... So, knowing how hard-headed you are, we have decided to come with you. Really? You guys would do that? Are you kidding me? Come here, of course. Come on, you're a girl. Listen, I wasn't gonna send you to some cutting fuck town all alone. <laughs> I don't mind driving to Texas. I hear they got great barbecue. So, maybe so, maybe not. All right, 
Sounds like a plan. Yes. Oh, yeah. All right. So now we have our group. They're going to go down. Wait, what? Um, that sounds way right, more interesting. That, right? That's to be a different fucking movie. That's for fucking sure. So anyway, uh, along the way down there, they ran into a guy with their van. Uh, his name's Daryl, and he's hitchhiking. After they pick him up, that's the end of the first 20 minutes. All right. You know your slip and falls? Slip and falls. Yeah, your scams. Your slip and fall scams. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what he pulled on him. Yeah, yeah, the bumper bump. Yeah, it was it was an obvious bumper bump where you basically just launch yourself off you the car. You just wait bumper. for a car going and you run right in front of it and throw yourself at it. Kind yeah. of, yeah. You you run off of it and you try to cancel yeah. your inertia or you roll across the car and you do it in such a way that you don't get yourself hurt, but you do a bumper bump to make them yeah. think they ran you over. It looks worse than it is. Sometimes you just run up if they're not looking when they back up and you're low enough down. You basically yeah. put like a, uh, a brick under their tire or you do something else to make them think they ran something over to pull this camera. It's a bumper bump. Yeah. We don't really get the sense that she has this real longing to find out, you know, where she comes from or she doesn't really feel like she belongs with her parents. Like we don't get anything until they just drop it on us. And I think it's like a more ham fisted way of saying this is why she doesn't question it and neither should you. What I'm basically getting at is they keep building up to this this major stuff. And when they're trying to do this stuff, they're ham-fistedly shortcutting everything along the way until we yeah. get to the point where we're at now and they're picking up a hitchhiker. And I am having an extremely, extremely difficult time just allowing myself to suspend my disbelief here and really believe that this girl never questioned where she came from, but all of a sudden has a grandma out of the blue that's offering her a bunch of stuff in an estate. She just has to go down to Texas to check it out. And yeah, right. they, they just basically like make you wonder if she has this sense of longing and that's why she's creating this dark art and all this other horse shit you know well, and it doesn't and, seem like she had the happiest of childhoods well no obviously not um something really bad happened to this poor girl and that family well, is fucking yeah, gross. she just had shit parents yeah and that's that's what it is i said it while we were recording listening to the clip but uh immediately it's devil's rejects man this is another yeah. like something that was influenced by you is now being absorbed into your franchise which is not a good no. move for a movie no Man, be, you have to be innovative, not not you know take an element of something that you've already done in your franchise. I seriously thought I was watching a fucking Rob Zombie movie in that trailer. Yeah. I really did. I thought it was a Rob Zombie movie. It was this way whole too movie. Close I thought I was like watching it. a Rob Zombie movie. Okay, well, I was getting a different sense, but it wasn't quite there yet. All right. Yeah. I was just kind of like, hmm, this doesn't. It but just it, it doesn't feel like an actual movie to me yet. Right. It still doesn't feel like an actual movie, and there's not really a real cohesive story. We're just being shown a montage of imagery, and you infer whatever you want out of that. And they're just hoping that we're 100% distracted by how gorgeous <laughs> our, our, our ingenue well, and, here is. Yeah. And like I'm saying, the last two movies have felt like Rob Zombie movies. And then third, you're right. This doesn't feel like a movie as much as it feels like. You remember like, like uh, Tales from the Crypt or a Freddy's, you know, little horror nightmare show. It, that's what it feels like right now. Oh, OK. So what you're saying is a sort of tongue in cheek comedy bent horror but, show or like a 30 minute a little 30 minute horror short that you would see on tales from the crypt oh that's so kind of what i feel like right now oh so it's it a, doesn't feel like a grand stage of anything okay so this is like a 1990s tales crypt tales from the crypt version of texas chainsaw massacre for you yeah Exactly. Okay. You know what? If I was thinking that in my head, I'd be like, oh man, that's kind of disappointing. But I would still be having fun with it because it's not any, I wouldn't say that this isn't all that much worse than the Bordello of Blood, Tales from and, the Crypt and like, movie. <laughs> and like I'm saying, um, 
if if it was an actual Tales from the Crypt, I probably wouldn't be disappointed. But the fact that I know this is supposed to be Texas Chainsaw Massacre in a full movie, I am. Well, and Again, both Kim, both Kim Hinkle, I'm disappointed. Both Kim Hinkle and Tobey Hooper were executive producers. I don't know how much power that is, or if they just got checks at the executive producer level. If you know what I'm saying, yeah, for the money yeah. back, or or if they, or how much they control they had over this, or how much say they had in it. But I would say that it definitely contains some of the more out there ideas of both Texas Chainsaw Massacre now Next Generation and some of the more out there ideas of Texas Chainsaw 2, you know, where they're trying to just kind of pick up from the original and see if they can start it again. But they're also reframing it, which is something that we need to talk about. The gaslighting shit in this is real. They need us to believe that a clearly no older than 25-year-old girl, and she says she's 25 in the film, right? Yeah, was born in 1971. Born before I was born. Yeah, was born somewhere in the 70s, but also in 2013, Matt, she is 25. How is that possible there's not so that means they've either changed the year of when the first movie happened but everyone looked like it was the 70s just saying did you see the date of death on each of the tombstones uh-uh uh, that I've missed. I, okay. I do admit. It is the 73. 1973 so, is when that fire happened. 25. Okay, so good. 20, she would be like 39 I wasn't the only one years. bothered by that. No, I'm like, like trying to figure out the ages here. <laughs> like there's just no way possible. Right. This is one of the things that I am super frustrated with on this film, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's say, let's play devil's advocate and let's say it's 1973. In 2013, if... She was born in 1973. If that was her first year of birth, she would have been 39, maybe 40 years old at the start of this film in 2013. Yeah. And then anybody else who survived, we're going to have to figure out their ages that they survived this um, Texas Chainsaw family massacre. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's what just, you would call it. But she does, yeah. she does not look like there is no way in hell. And she says she's 25. So there's no way in hell that a 39 slash 40 year old can possibly be convinced that they are young enough to be 25. No yeah. one looks that good. Well, Paul Rudd. Okay, fuck. I'm wrong. So maybe Paul she's Rudd, like Paul, Paul Rudd. Rudd. Yeah. But <laughs> and, here's my thing. Um, And we know, like, then, you know, some people could be like, oh, well, we don't know if it's 2013 just because that's when the movie came out. No, the technology we see later on in this movie expressly says it's 2013. I think there's even a date here and there on something that you see where it does say that, yes, this is 2013. This is 40 yeah. years later, yet somehow she's 25. What the fuck are you thinking? I just, don't think they were. I just, think they were like, hey, look, let's get four pretty kids and let let a, let a, let a big, big guy cut them up. Okay, how about this? They needed to have it be the same woman, but what they should have fucking done, what they totally should have fucking done was the signifying mark on the baby that's the Sawyer S. We see it later on our heroine yeah. character or our main protagonist female character and Heather Heather yeah what we should have what they should have done is the burn that's on Heather Heather should have been a daughter the daughter yeah. of the original woman who was taken as a baby she should have grown up this should have been her daughter and her daughter got the S tattooed on her because yes. her mom had that scar and it's like not necessarily like a memory thing but just like so they matched it was a thing that she always used to do when she was a little girl something anything and then you totally explain why we're dealing with a 26 year old or a 20 25-year-old because 40 is old enough to have a 25-year-old around that time frame in the 70s, particularly, and stop me if I'm getting a little too brash, if she was raised by the kind of people that she was raised by because he didn't seem like he respected her as a person, if you know what I mean, and I think you do. I think I do. They wanted to hint at this kind of stuff. They wanted to half-heartedly, ham-fistedly set it up. And like, I 
like the ideas of what they're trying to lay down, but the approach is like, just fucking take it. Yeah. <laughs> just believe it. Okay. Just, just, just shut up. It's a fucking movie. Let's have fun. They're in such a fucking hurry to jam as much stuff into yeah. your face and your, your, your mind as they can. And the reason it reminds you of that tales from the crypt episodic TV is because they had to try and jam pack an entire tale that would scare the shit out of you involve someone with their tits out and like lots of blood and gore within like 20 to 30 minutes, give or take. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they had a very rushed pace to those shows. And that's like, that's what this is. But like you get sort of fatigued when they keep going at a pace like this and it does slow down at a certain point but at the same time they're trying to throw so much stuff at you when they could have given you some nuance and like built up some of this stuff because they waste yeah. so much screen time on other shit that doesn't fucking matter later why not Jeez. okay let's, yeah. let's keep going or i'm just gonna bitch all fucking night jesus fucking christ <laughs> All right. Is anything um, that I'm saying too harsh or am I being too No, critical? I know. This is everything's there. Like I said, this movie gaslights you from every aspect. You're being gaslit in this movie from just small mundane facts as to there's no possible way she could be the age they want her to be to the, the reason to the, what the whole basis of the first movie actually was. You're being gaslit from beginning to end. It's a it's a gaslit movie, and again, I'm really disappointed. And the more we talk, the more I go from disappointed to being angry again. Because you recognize the manipulation. Yeah. You recognize exactly. the manipulation, man. That's what it is. Yeah. I recognize it being gaslit, and I don't like it. <sighs> All right. So starting off the next 20, the group drives down Texas, and they meet with the lawyer at the house. Uh, she just gets she gets a letter that she's supposed to read some keys and says it's all yours. The only thing is she can't sell it. Well, they get to the uh, house and the place is super nice. Like if he, I, I, one thing like I was kind of expect, I was expecting it to be a complete and utter shithole, like you know any other Sawyer house that you've seen. But nope, this place is really nice, really fancy. Um, well, her last name just was really Carson. Well she married yeah, Carson. outside of the family, Carson. Yes, yeah, that's true. She's Sawyer Carson yes. was her nomenclature. Yeah. So uh, Heather, uh, everyone's checking out. She goes outside and she checks out all the Sawyer graves. Um, they decide to go shopping for dinner and supplies. Daryl says he's going to stay behind the hitchhiker and that he's going to, you know, help get stuff, you know, settled in and all that. Uh, well, anyway, after they leave, he starts pretty much robbing the place because he's a dick. <laughs> yeah. uh, the kids. The Who kids did not see town. this coming at all? Yeah, right. The kids get to town, and this guy, he calls for the mayor. We see the mayor is the leader of the fucking townsfolk who burned down the house and attacked everyone. They see the kids. Um, at the store, Nikki goes up and grabs Ryan right by his donger, and we find out that they boned. So Heather's best friend and Heather's boyfriend are going back behind her back. So that's kind of fucked up. According Even though Ryan to him, says it though, was one time. And yeah, he was really drunk. Yeah, and then she said, "But you were begging for it." I yeah. think she is the type of person that will not let her friend have something that she can't have. She yeah. wants she wants what her friend has. The minute like he goes for her and doesn't want to be with the friend anymore, she's gonna lose all interest. She just, oh, yeah. I, I think she is either knowingly or subconsciously constantly sabotaging her friend's relationships on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Yes. Well, um, 
Daryl's going through, and he finds what is, like, a butler's room. And he's taking stuff in there, and he finds another door. Or he finds stairs, and he goes downstairs, and it looks like it's a wine room, but then there's a big metal door. He keeps trying to get it up, kicking it, trying to get it up, and all of a sudden, Leatherface busts out and starts hammering him in the face and killing him. That effect was actually really cool. It looked fucking yeah. great. The way they yeah. shot it was quite surprising. This- I was like, ew, man, that's kind of fucking gross. So I was like... Well done, movie. And again, right. this is where I was like, well, I'm just disappointed about other things. But I mean, I, mean, you, I could see you're trying in some areas until this, I think about all the gaslighting. I imagine that seeing this sequence in 3D probably would have popped me. I would have popped yeah. hard when Leatherface came out of there in 3D like that. I think it would have worked. And oh, I can yeah. see where, yeah, that they were trying. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can see where like they, they had it set up and they were using 3D to its best effect. And I do have to comment this version of the Leatherface mask. If he has been in seclusion and the person that has been keeping him, apparently the grandmother until her death, has been keeping him here, this particular mask is believable to me to be 40 years old. Of, yeah, this makes sense. Yeah, it's not that fresh of flesh. It does not not look that great um it's kind of falling apart and he's clearly repaired it in a few spots or patched it or whatever but like not roughly he's taken time and you know crafted it and stuff it it looks pretty cool i like it um they do some stuff with it later on that i just don't get but i'm maybe it's just to to do the gross out factor but i don't know but i don't know if you noticed it or not but did you notice that it's not tied around the back or under a wig it's actually like you know tight to his face and then loose around the back and stuff oh yeah could you see the thing fast fastening it in place at all i didn't try no. to look for it or i didn't want to go back no okay yeah, i couldn't i couldn't see anything it would be good if they would have set it up here i don't know if they did or they didn't so i can't comment on it but i would hope that they would have the foresight to set up something that they wanted to pay off as a big shocker here yeah a little bit you know something right but, but they didn't quite do it but everything else is great the way he storms out of there the thing that i said about the texas chainsaw massacre remake uh, about how there's sequences there where it felt like if this was a texas chainsaw saw a massacre themed haunted house you know like they're trying to give me that same kind of thing yeah you know where they're running through the tunnels and stuff i would have been totally into that and i would have thought that was super awesome but it doesn't work as a movie this is a moment that's very much like that it is one of those pop jump scares that works if you are in like a haunted house and you're like holy shit and that thing's really there you know the only problem that it hurts me. It's like none of the rest of the house is scary to me. It's just one room. <laughs> so far, right? Like he's only done the killing so, in the yeah. wine cellar, you know. But yeah. what's behind that door, right? That's the thing that we're about yeah. to see, and th- that's where the sequence does start. It does pick up from here, and I'm I really do like these moments, and I feel like this is where my frustration almost doubles. Where I'm like, well, you got this stuff right. This is good. You know, it feels really low budget. It feels like you're really like try harding on this like as much as you possibly can. Like I'm into this. I'm getting the energy, and I'm getting this feeling of oh man hey guys let's just put on a show right let's just do this because it's texas chainsaw massacre and we're gonna have fun and i'm like huh yeah that's what that feels like to me this is like (laughs) this is like someone just wants me to have fun and like you know it's texas chainsaw massacre let's have fun and i'm like wait those two don't go together for me but okay let's try it like at this point i'm like okay let's try it you know like i think let texas chainsaw massacre 2 is like hey it's texas chainsaw massacre let's have fun but at the same time they're like until we vomit (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know like until it gets gross you know or, or something like that but like this film is just it, it's tone super uneven and I feel I totally get what you're saying about the last 20 minute mark where it felt like Tales from the Crypt in 20 minute segments and stuff and that's yeah. where we're at that's what this film is doing right now let's just have fun and they don't go together it doesn't work like that 
Yeah. <laughs> Heather, then, uh, she's walking around. She talks to this dicta- uh, deputy Carl. Do you recognize uh, that kid? And, no. That's Clint Eastwood's fucking that? son, man. That's Clint Eastwood's son? Yeah. Fucking A. All right. Good for him. And uh, the mayor comes over, and the mayor finds out where they're staying. He wants says he wants the house from her. And she says, thanks, but no thanks. She wants to keep the house and drives away. Um, back at the house, they find the plane ransacked, and the keys are gone. And they're kind of pissed, but they all... She's pissed, but then the, her friends say, but, you know, so if you took some trinkets, you have this house. And they decide they get the party going. Well, we come I'd to Kenny's making them... Yeah, right? Well, Kenny's making them all some dinner and finds the butler room. Well, then he sees the downstairs, and he sees that the keys are down there. So he goes down there, and then he sees a pool of blood. Then Leatherface chases him. He runs away, but Leatherface hooks him in the back and drags him downstairs. We see Heather is ch- checking out some family pictures, and uh, they all have this. All the women are wearing the Soiler, uh, so- Soiler, Sawyer uh, emblem, and she even sees a picture of her own mother. Um, Nikki. Then grabs Ryan, who's playing pool, and she's saying there's some sick shit in the barn. It's gross. So she takes him out there. He goes to the last stall, and uh, it's just a bottle of tequila with two shot glasses, and then Nikki strips down. She says something about um, it being twisted shit or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, this was his setup. She goes, she goes I told you it was twisted shit. So yeah. it's, just, it's just fucking, it's, it's just a friend not being a good friend. That's what that is. And a boyfriend not being a good boy. <laughs> so. <laughs> wow, you hmm. did say that like a disappointed <laughs> I I just I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed how you handled yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you don't do that to a friend, young lady and young man. Yeah, just you could think about what you've done. Um this is somehow Heather- worse than you being pissed off at it. <laughs> It feels really bad now. Yeah, I feel bad for the movie. I'm like, oh man, like he's just really disappointed in you. If he was pissed I just, off, I just, <laughs> I thought I raised it better. You know what I mean? <laughs> we thought we raised this franchise better than this. I thought we raised this franchise better than what it's become. I'm just saying. I, I, somewhere I got to look at myself and see where I failed as a parent. Um, so Heather is looking through more stuff in the house and she turns around. She sees the grandma's dead body in the house. That freaks her out. She's running around looking for help. Did you recognize the corpse at all? No. The actress who was supposed to be the corpse? No? Okay. Uh Uh-uh. All right. Well, we see her in flashback later on. I don't know if it's her as the corpse or not, but Marilyn Burns played her grandmother, the original heroine of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. I just wanted to point that out because this would, if, if this was actually her in the makeup, I I can't confirm that. I didn't realize it until the end that it was her. So if you notice it, if you decide to watch it, cool. But she is this character, and I'm bringing it up now as something to tide us over. Um, she's running around looking for help, and she finds Leatherface in the kitchen chopping some fingers, and he knocks her out, and that's the end of that 20 minutes. All right, I kind of said some of the stuff that I wanted to say, but yeah, I just want to point out that all the stuff where Leatherface starts hunting the kids, this very yeah. much fits with your 20 minutes, like where we just got to go, we got to go, we got to go, because all the deaths start happening in rapid succession, and yes, there's a whole lot of time with them partying or shopping or driving and goofing off that we probably could have montaged our way through to some fucking music. Like, for instance, um, we got sort of that where they played The Hand of the Almighty by uh, J.R.R. Butler, which is a um, sort of folk country music uh, comedian 
type guy. And I really love yeah. the song that they chose, The Hand of the Almighty. I've played that song on this show before. And I'm yeah, gonna... I thought I had recognized that song. Yeah. So. And I, you know, and I'm, and I will play it again. And so when that song played on the road trip on the way down, I was really into that. I thought that was fucking cool. Um, and I was having a blast, but then I'm like, wait, what the, the God fuck you up? What, what does this have to do with Texas Chainsaw Massacre or, or whatever? And I'm like, did you want to do a music montage, but you bought a really short song that's kind of tongue in cheek and wacky and why, why, why while they're dry? What is this for? What? This doesn't evoke <laughs> the right feeling. And I'm like, you know what? A bit of really good music to put in your movie at that exact moment to bring us in and like, you know, bring us into this moment where this girl is finding out where she came from and her friends are going along with her and and so is this guy who is a hitchhiker and is clearly some kind of a fucking creep and you should have never fucking picked him up and it's a stupid fucking decision. But never mind that. It's 2013. Why are you picking up hitchhikers? Right. No one does that anymore. It's not a thing. But never mind all of that, right? Never mind all of that. You pick Hand of the Almighty talking about how God's going to fuck you up at the exact wrong time. The moment where all these people are going on this journey of self-discovery is when you play the fucking song that you played in the fucking trailer. Because we're about to yeah. find out about the beast in... In our main character that we're following, there is supposed to be some nature, not nurture monster that is living in this fucking girl. And they are completely undercutting it by trying to sell her as a possible victim the entire time. They need to not do that. They need to have her be less shocked about some of the stuff that is happening. They need to have her be a little bit stronger. They have her waffling back and forth. And just like flip-flopping here and there. And they can't make up their minds as to whether she's dark or whether this film is going to be like dark or we're going to have fun while we're doing this. And they're jumping around way too goddamn much. The tone is like so completely uneven. And then they go and they pull this stuff where they get the horror, right? And they nail like however long that sequence is, like six, seven minutes of like good solid stuff that feels very much Texas Chainsaw Massacre to me, you know, and has the tone that they should be having for the story of a family apparently that was burned alive with only two remaining members that have to get revenge basically is what you're trying to sell me but you're trying to sell that to me as a good fucking time that we're all going to be wacky and laugh about what some wack some hijinks are happening yeah and then you're doing it at such a rapid pace where you keep throwing more and more story on and you completely ignore things like chronological order and age i know that age is just a construct of the mind but it's also a physical decay rate of human bodies <laughs> <laughs> it yeah, does right? fucking happen, you know? Like, ugh. there's so much so much stuff that they just completely ignore and they just keep jumping to all this other stuff and it's like, let's have fun. This is so much fun, right? And it's pretty much at the moment when Leatherface does the attack and they nail it where I came to the conclusion that I came to what this film is in my mind. Yeah. This is the most expensive fucking fan film ever made for Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but it is not a Texas Chainsaw <laughs> Massacre film. This is... Some kid got rich or his family was rich, chugged a shit ton of energy drinks, watched every Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie that was ever fucking made and decided to make the ultimate Chainsaw Massacre fan film. Hired yeah. all of the actors that they could from the series to get a cameo for money. They spent as much money as they could, but it's shot that sort of amateurish. It's not really put together. Like, And I am not trying to diss fan films. Do not get me wrong. I have seen some really well done, really well thought out fan films. But when I say that this is a fan film, I mean it in the sense that this is the level of quality a fan who has probably never made a film before or has only made a few films here and there would make as a film, full-fledged hour and a half film, to be a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. This is just a fan film for 
for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's why they're ignoring all these other story details that don't fucking matter to them. They're just throwing out all these amazing ideas that they can come up with to like do a spin on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and do their own sort of tale based around the same thing, reuse some of the same footage. This is like, I've seen a ton of fucking fan films like this, you know? Like, I've seen a ton of them. I've watched a bunch. Some of them were on YouTube in the very early fucking days, and that's what this is. It's just one for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's all it is. It's just not a real film. This is, uh, I don't know how it got released in theaters. This is some kid who has a lot of money, and he was all hopped up on energy drinks, watched the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and said, I can make this movie. (laughs) That's it. Yeah, it's a fan film, though. It totally is. And yeah. I, I I, don't get the sense that they are trying to do it in a dis- disrespectful way. Like, I could make this movie. No, I think it's, I fucking love this series. I want to make a fan film. I want to make my own. I have to. I don't care if I have the rights to do it. I'm going to do it, and it's going to be a fan film. I'll never make money yeah. on it, you know? And I'm going to spend a shitload on it. That's what this is, you know? And if that were the case, you know, if it were an amateur filmmaker who just threw a ton of money at it, I would actually be like, you know what? You did okay, kid. But this is supposed to be like a crew, right? These are professional actors. Like these are people that I've seen in other movies and stuff, but all the choices that are made are completely uneven in the tone and bouncing around and relying heavily on the gimmick of 3D. And when you take that away from this film, the thing that is probably going to be still a selling point for it, that it is in 3D, if you can get it in 3D, maybe you'd enjoy it more. But otherwise, this is really like you said, I'm just fucking disappointed, man. Yeah, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. If you know, like you're above this but now I'm filmmakers. To get mad. Yeah, but but what I'm saying is the filmmakers, you're above this, man. You could have done better than this. You were a professional fucking crew, yeah. and this is a fucking fan film. Yeah, good times. If this were if this were like if somebody made this, I don't and I don't know how they afforded it, but like if some rich asshole made this and just showed it to me, you know, it's like I, I couldn't get the rights, but man, I, I just wanted to make my own film. I would be very kind to them if this was their first film, but this is supposed to be like people that have worked in the business a good bit before this and made this there's so many producers right and so many fucking writers and this is what they came up with and it's a fan film it's, uh it's it's one hell of a way to go about making a movie for a friend that i know idea is it has any other franchise been as bastardized as this one hellraiser in some spots or, do you think worse or about the same or not as bad i can't comment on the film to come but so far i hate to say yeah. this matt the Hellraiser franchise gets bastardized a lot worse towards the end. Oh, yeah? Yes, Damn. much worse. They just will not let it die. They keep flogging it. It gets really bad. Oh, wow, that's too bad. <laughs> well, we start the next 20. She wakes up, and uh, Leatherface is, uh, he rehooks Kenny, so Kenny's staying there, and she sees body parts everywhere. Uh, very Kenny gruesome, very to, cool. Yep, Kenny tries to grab after him, so he saws Kenny in half with his chainsaw. I thought that was also cool. Um, you know my objection th- on how it's a waste of meat, and he wouldn't do that if he knew how to work meat, but yes, it looked it, fucking awesome. It was so fucking bloody. Cool. Yeah, it was badass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, well, she runs away, and she goes outside, and she sees Grandma's grave, of course, all dug up, so she hides in the coffin. Well, chainsaw, he knows she's in there, let her face know she's in there. So he starts chainsawing. You see the chainsaw come through. You know, should be the 3D effect there. Then we see uh, Ryan and Nikki come. They hear a commotion come running out of the barn. Uh, they have obviously been having sex. And they see him, and they actually start yelling at him. So he starts coming after them. They lock themselves in the barn. Nikki grabs a gun and shoots at him. Well, he kind of goes away. And then... Um, Heather pulls up in the van, and they all get in, and they fucking drive off. 
Ryan is behind the wheel, and he's kind of an idiot driver. He's a little bit too panicky for his own good. Uh, instead of letting Heather open up the gates, he tries to run into them. The gates are super tough. This breaks down the van. Finally, the gates open. He's finally able to get the van started. Right as Leatherface is coming, he pulls out into the street. And because he guns it too much, he kills the van again. They're not able to take off until Leatherface puts a hole into their tire, which causes the van, when they go to flip, it crashes. He cut the rim a little bit, too. So the rim probably, like, maybe exploded or popped or got caught in the pavement, and that's what threw it. Yeah. Like, he, the, he's practiced that. Like, he's gotten yeah, real good. Real good at using that chainsaw. Yeah, this particular Leatherface is really good at, like, being focused and hamstringing people. And, like, he's he's clearly felt guilt for what's happened to his family, which is supposedly his fault, which we've been gaslit to believe that that's the case. Yeah. So, uh, as he walks up, uh, the girls are kind of crashed in there in the van. Ryan uh, was killed in the wreck. So, uh, Ryan is now gone. Um he kind of gets in, he's chainsawing the inside. He kind of cuts uh, Nikki a little bit, but Heather gets out, gets his attention, makes him chase her, and she runs. Uh, she um, runs to the county, the Halloween fair, or whatever they're having there in this town. Uh, she's running through all these people as he chases her with his chainsaw. Um, I, I have no idea. This cha- uh, Her chase scenes with him kind of bother me, because... She's in a crowd of people. She could instantly lose him. And she just runs straight. And and, and not even like, she, she doesn't even ask people for help. She tells them to call the sheriff and to get out of her way. You, because he was so confused and even got to staring down somebody else, she could have hid. He didn't have no idea where she went. Uh, okay, you, so you, any- you talked about everything that was wrong that I would have possibly complained with. I just want to point out one more thing. All right. The person with the saw face that had a chainsaw showdown with Leatherface and then ran and backed off. Was that like a, uh, you know, Wes Craven slash Sam Raimi wink back and forth at each other that started with Evil Dead? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Um. So uh, with... um. She actually runs towards a Ferris wheel, jumps on it, and some guy, like, helps by holding her, you know, up, and she goes all the way around on the Ferris wheel, uh, comes down, and Ray's, it looks like Leatherface is gonna get her, well, the deputy shows up, and Leatherface throws the chainsaw, which, you know, is for 3D audiences, uh, and then runs away. We end up back at the station, the chief shows up, same chief as we had at the beginning of the movie, and that is our next clip. Hi. You the girl that guy was chasing? Yeah, he killed my friends, but Nikki, she was still alive after the crash. Yeah, we're on it, but there was no one at the site. No, she was there. I left her there. He must have moved them. You know who he is. No, he was he was in the house. He was What house? The Carson estate. My grandmother left it to me, Verna Carson. We just got here a few hours ago. I'm a Sawyer, if that's your next question. Sheriff, I uh, stuck to the evidence room. Pull out what we had on Vernon Carson. I also pulled the big file on the Sawyers. You get a good look at him? He was wearing a face. A mask? A human face. Carl, we're a little shorthanded. I'm going to need you out on the street. Get going. Sheriff, the mayor just got here. He's looking for you. Thanks. Uh, Take a seat. I'll be back in a minute. Some fucking crazy just tore up the carnival. I need to know what the police are going to do about it. My office. 
think it may be Ted. Ted Sawyer? No way. We burned that place to the ground years ago, Hoover. You were there. No one escaped. Well, maybe he crawled out through the back. I don't know. You're telling me he's been holed up all these years and now he's running around on the loose? I'm telling you, a six foot five inch man came out of Verna Carson's house wearing a skin mask and wielding that. Sheriff? I'm at the Carson place. Gate's busted open. There's a broken side mirror that looks like it matches a van. Marvin, I told you to stay at the van. That's an order, you cop. Hell no! That's not how we play this! There's a blood trail on the pavement. Sheriff, no disrespect, but I think I need to move on this. That's not your call, officer. Marvin, this is Mayor Harvin. You got your eagle? You know what extended clip. Just looking for a reason, sir. Then what the hell are you waiting for? Marvin, stand down. And we believe Jed Sawyer may be alive. That he may be in that house. Copy that, sir, but... Chainsaw don't make you bulletproof. No, but plot protection sure does. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, this whole sequence just smacks of the amateurish nature of how this feels to where it feels like nothing more than just a fan film. And it's just yeah. so disappointing for that. Like, the way that this is all executed, the way this acting is done. You know, we all hear nobody's at the crash. So then they have the cop go through, and this is when he has it film it on his phone. So the mayor and the sheriff are watching this. Um, they follows the trail of blood throughout the house. We cut to Heather's reading reports from what happened that day back in the 70s and kind of about everything about the Sawyer family and all that. She's getting a um, crash course in about 10 minutes of shit tons of files and about 30 years backlog of caseload. Yeah. Well, he goes through the entire house. He's getting a little more nervous, nervous until he goes into Letterface's room, finds all the bodies, everything cut up, uh, hears a noise in the cooler, opens it, and out pops uh, Nikki, and he shoots her because he gets scared. Can I get an instant ruling on a callback then the way that they handled the callback on this? I want an instant ruling from you. Yeah, I liked it, and I'll tell you why. This was fine with me. Not Maybe not liked it, but it was fine with me because you got to show that this cop's kind of a dumbass. And he shouldn't have been down there anyway. And he was scared as shit. Like he st- and he started with such bravado going in. And by the time he got into that room, he was scared shitless. So I didn't mind it. Okay, so the Freddy cop jump shooting whenever she jumps up and killing her, like the only real like victim left alive, and then immediately going yeah. into cover up mode. You you like this whole thing? You, you it worked for you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, me too. I'm just asking to make sure because yeah, I felt this was the most accurate portrayal of police I've seen in a long time in a film. I would agree. I would agree. Probably if you would have had body cam footage, you would turn that off. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, the the way that they handled it, the only complaint I have about this entire sequence, and I'm, I'm done after this, um, I would have liked to see more where we're looking through like the broadcast as they're seeing it. And yeah. that's when Leatherface gets them, at least one jump scare where he brings the phone up. Because when you look through a phone screen on film, you feel like you're looking at your phone and it helps you suspend your disbelief just a little bit more. And if you throw a really good jump scare into that, that you then use a cut to heighten, and then you show the actual makeup from there, like if you can get it right, like from a phone, I think that would be a really good jump scare. And they came really close to doing something cool like that. And they blew their wad on this because then they take us out of the reality of the phone again. Um, Yeah. And I think what they could have done is maybe come back to that. But it would have been cool to see him actually broadcasting him shooting her in the head on the phone from the phone with that jump. And then the phone drops out of the way when we, we get that jump.
jump scare of holy shit he just shot her and then you see the repercussions right there in front of us in presented in the reality of the film like I think that would have been a really cool moment that they could have done and it would have made yeah. it even more intense and very disturbing but they just kind of undercut it a little bit so I'm like oh man nice try but like a really cool fucking idea and the actress sells it beautifully the gunshot effect whether they use CG or whatever else looks really cool and the actor who's playing the cop did a great job of being all like solid bravado motherfucker and then Freddy cop at the end who shoots a poor girl in the head like they, they this whole yeah. sequence was shot really well and the mayor was all like don't worry that never happened never yeah. happened there's some cool. of the stuff with the mayor and the sheriff undercuts some of the tension of what the guy's doing you know what I mean like yeah. like a little bit and I think they needed to pull back from them just a tiny bit because it, it gets rid of your like if we focused on the phone for a lot of that you know or had like a more moments where we're focused on the phone and they're just shutting up and they're watching it and like we're looking at what's on that phone it would have fucking brought us into that and terrified us even more I think and it's just it's a, yeah. it's a mistake if you're going to use fucking cell phones like in video chat which is clearly 2013 so you can fucking use it right <laughs> yeah exactly right fucking do something with it alright that's that's the only um, thing that I wanted to say but I really think it was a great sequence I just feel like they could have pulled more off is all I'm saying yeah so uh the um he leaves he just you know scatters up the uh the stairs he's getting ready to leave and in the butler's room he is attacked by leatherface and uh gets hacked up by an axe Lots of screaming and shit, so, you know, he deserved that because he was kind of a bitch. And that actually ends that 20 minutes before we go into our final 30. Okay, uh, I said just about everything that I needed to say. Um, this is not one that I can wait for the 20-minute mark, so um, you have to do the notes and try and rein me in, so you need anything that you need to say additionally? <laughs> nope. I'm, I'm good now, so we're good. <laughs> okay. Um, again, there's so much stuff, and I feel like we're in alignment for our feelings on this, and that's why we're not really adding a lot, because the other person has said it pretty eloquently. We just maybe... Yeah, I mean, you kind of put it all together there uh, with that scene. <laughs> yeah. uh, I just kind of said, yeah, I, it, it did work for me, only if because... It was uh, fun to see that kind of stuff. So, And it was a respite uh, from everything else that was kind of a disappointment. Yeah. Um, they pull something like that in a haunted house where they can do like an exploding brain dummy that looks yeah. like, and you walk past like a cop's supposed to be leading you through, then he shoots somebody and freaks out and leaves you there as part uh -huh. of the scene or something. That would be kind of cool. Yeah, you know? That would be cool. <laughs> It'd be very terrifying too, but like in the movie, it kind of works, but they just, they didn't make it cinematic enough. They just kind of made it sort of nuts and bolts and it feels like yeah. old 90s TV Tales from the Crypt style, where it's very, yeah. very knowingly like trying very to move campy. along. Yeah, we're, we're very much aligned on this. So I, f I feel yeah. like we're being very fair. And like, I wanted to say like I was angry, but I was just so frustrated watching it. You know, like that's the that's the thing is I'm it's it has all these wonderful moments that could have been so much more. The, the sequence yeah. with the I didn't talk about it, but the sequence with the fucking Ferris wheel where she's like, you know, running that from him. That was a him, cool sequence. And she's up on the Ferris wheel to like get away yeah. from him because she's panicking. She doesn't know what else to do. And it, and it was believable because she's like, okay, she doesn't have that much arm strength of the body up, but you see it a guy's arm she's onto a cart and a guy's trying to hold on to help her yeah because he doesn't want her to fall uh, on one of the carts yeah once she gets to a certain point he doesn't well, want her to fall yeah and and so and then like when it gets to the top she even kind of her feet hit another part so it gives her respite it makes actual sense could something like that happen in real life probably not but at least you're able to suspend your disbelief 
more than usual because it's not like she's just hanging there. I'm super power person because I, you know, well, not a lot of people are going to have that up arm strength. Well, and you got to remember too, this is supposed to be Halloween night, so the idea is that she, they go back on Halloween and they were going to go to New Orleans for Halloween, but they're here and this town is having like this Halloweenish related carnival. There is a haunted house that had people chased out of. It's supposed to be a Halloween carnival. Maybe they paid a guy to dress up like this chainsaw maniac. Most of these kids probably don't fucking know that this is real or not. Maybe this is a hired yeah. stunt person who's supposed this to do is this. This the town's dirty secret, secret, so. Yeah, and you know. No maybe, one knows about this. Right, so like this could be part of the show. If I were at a Halloween carnival and there's a bunch of like weird people running around screaming, chasing people with chainsaws, I would automatically assume that was part of this, you know, Halloweenish carnival with all these haunted houses that I was a part of. I would just think it was okay. There are horror movies based around that where killers go out and do killing and get away with it. Like there's at least two or three of them like that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> around this season and in a park like this. So uh, I kind of was, I, I was giving it a shot. I'm like, okay, you could have explained that a little better where like some people were taking photos and they didn't know if it was real or not. And then like, maybe it turns out it's real. So then everybody's running from him because they're fucking terrified. But then they realize he only wants her, which is really weird. You think he'd be like trying to slaughter everyone in sight. Yeah. And I kind of want that does help with that tunnel vision that he's just trying to prevent her from escaping. Right. And I kind of get that, but they're doing it really ham fistedly. And I kind of wonder like, is everyone that sees him now, is he going to have to kill them? Is that what's going to happen? Or are they going to be able to successfully hide him again? Like, what's the plan here? What is it you're trying to get away with? And then it's just like, yeah, it's just cool to see him running around a chainsaw in a crowd. And I'm getting Jason Takes Manhattan vibes, and it's kind of disappointing. But then they do the, the Ferris wheel stuff, and I'm like, oh, that's a really cool idea. And I'm like, why not just have it to where people don't believe her? That would be so fucking yeah. horrifying. It would at least it would at least make what's about to happen more believable, you know, something, anything. But it's still cool. It I'm just it's a fan film thing where it's like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if he, you know, chases her on a Ferris wheel and she has to climb up and all this stunts and danger? I'm like, yeah, that's kind of cool for a fan film. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, starting off the final 30. Well, Heather reads more about what happened to her family. Um, and uh. Then the mayor, he goes to get her, but when he gets into the room, she's gone, and she has drawn murderers on one of the picture, the the pictures of you know all the cel- the celebration picture. She instantly cares for a family that she never knew she had that was slaughtered by people that she has never known because she met her cousin who murdered her friends. Yeah. What? I know. What? It, yeah. It just, it makes no sense. Did I get that right? Is that the story they're trying to gaslight me with, Matt? Yes, they're trying to gaslight you that uh, the, the Sawyers are just misunderstood people. And that blood made, is thicker than water? Very, it, it made very innocent mistakes. And they're actually quite nice. Just leave them alone. And she instantly is okay with everything that Leatherface has ever done because he's family and now she has a place to belong? Is that what I'm supposed to believe? What are you trying I to tell me? I don't know if she knows that this guy is her cousin yet. Yeah, she hasn't read the letter. She right. just knows there's just some crazy guy in the house. <sighs> okay, I am so like this is all right. It's at this point in the movie that the gifts underneath each of the places I posted in the group and then on my regular timeline in Facebook, I underneath each I commented a gif of someone throwing a tantrum. This is where I was starting to throw a tantrum. <laughs> is here. Well, um, so anyway, uh, we see Leatherface back in his room, and he has that celebration people pick, and he notches off the face of the cop in the picture. Then um, he goes ahead and actually cuts the cop's face off. And then we see him sewing a new face, but 
It's supposed to be the cop's face, but it looks rather old and leathery. So this part didn't work for me at all. It's... But it shows he's actually sewing the face onto his actual face through his mouth. Yeah, this is... But it worked, did not work for me. No, it's the exact same uh, mask that I was kind of complaining about yeah. earlier a little bit. But how did that fresh cop's dead face... Now look old and leathery. Yeah, even if he tanned it on the inside to protect it. Yeah. I like the idea of him stitching it, but we should have seen it already stitched on. Um, This could have worked for me if, you know, we see him stitch the mask on right after killing one of the friends. He switches masks to a different mask because maybe yeah. it tears or something like that and he has to repair it. And then we see him stitch it like I would have bought that stitching on that mask. But I do not buy that the face you cut off of the cop is the face that you're currently wearing because it looks exactly like the face that you just took off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I didn't get what they were doing with that, and I think it maybe it should have been used I, earlier. I thought I was going to get to see a cool new face, and then it's same old face, and I was, again... I'm just disappointed. Well, this is the idea that I got in my head, and I'm like, he's cutting the cop's face off, and I'm like, oh my god, as he gets revenge on these people, he's wearing their faces, so the next one he gets sees the face of the person that helped him, a co-conspirator. That, that would, well, I didn't even think of that, and that would be cool. I like They're kind of hinting at it, and I'm like, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt that that's what they were going to do, but then they completely undercut it by not having it look like the cop at all. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's very easy to get the general shape of the face to make me believe that that's kind of that cop's face without even having to take a full mold of it you can do it yeah. you can do that it is possible <laughs> it's just so frustrating uh, i don't know why they made this choice and i think it's just it belonged earlier in the film and they just edited it in because he caught the cop's face off but yeah they just showed him storing it and you never see him do anything but put another mask back on and that doesn't make sense <laughs> well anyway because if i talk about that anymore i'm just not going to be disappointed and just be angry um because that just fucking frustrated the hell out of me um nothing sucks more than getting your hopes up for something and then not you know getting just massively disappointed <laughs> and that's kind of what this is doing every time yeah. it's like the promise of a hand job that just delivers blue balls yeah right it's just bad well anyway heather meets with the lawyer and that is our next clip why didn't you warn me all my friends are dead my family was wiped out by this crazy town did you read verna's letter no I asked you to, right? Verna was very particular. I'm sure she laid it all out. But you knew about him. You knew about this town. You knew everything. Okay. Okay, so who is he? Well, the person in the basement is Jedediah Sawyer. Goes by Jed. He's your cousin. For years, I suspected something, but I never knew for sure about Jed until about four months ago. When Verna, who was very sick, presented him to me. A grown man, huge, but mentally stunted. With the emotions of an eight-year-old. Frankly, you scared the shit out of me. Why'd you keep him? Nobody loves you like your family, I guess. She preserved you, too. She investigated everyone who was involved with her. August 19th. Found you right away. And she let me live with those people? You were safer there. And she knew there would always come a day. Jed knows about you, too. It was so welcome. He doesn't know who you are. And the last time a girl got away, Jed lost his whole family. So he'll stay after you. He doesn't know any better. Bert Hartman, too. After reading that police file. 
You know this town's dirty and secret. Let's go. I'm getting you out of here. So they get out of the bar, and as she's running out, she gets hit by Ollie driving his car. Um, He goes to grab her, but she's able to cut him in the face with a knife, and she runs. That cut looks good. That, dep- that was done pretty yeah. decently. Uh, she finds Deputy Carl, and he says that he'll go ahead and take her back to her lawyer. Uh, he gets in the car, and there's driving, and drives right past the lawyer, who actually sees them. We find out the deputy calls the mayor, and we find out the mayor is his dad, and they're going to go ahead and take her to the slaughterhouse. Uh, the lawyer then runs to the sheriff, who has a tracker on all the cars, and sees where he's going, and he knows exactly what's happening. Leatherface is hiding the cop car the cop he killed, and he overhears the mayor calling for that cop to meet them at the uh, slaughterhouse because they have the girl. So um, we see then the deputy ties up Heather, and she kind of fights, and her shirt comes undone. Okay. That was very poorly executed, and it was just an excuse to reveal the scar, but also to show her tattoo. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They could have done that much better, much, much better, but they did it in the most, like, exploitative kind of sleazy way, and it was really poorly executed. Again, fan film level. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, um, then the deputy, he goes to wait outside. The mayor says, you know, there's no place for a cop. Uh, and, uh, as he's waiting for his dad, uh, the Leatherface shows up and he's getting ready to kill her, but he sees the scar and she starts, he takes the gag off her, starts screaming that she's his cousin, all that. So he, uh, is just kind of like, what the fuck? Um, the mayor and Ollie show up, uh, Leatherface is getting ready to cut her loose, but the mayor and Ollie start attacking him and she's able to get away. She runs outside, she stops, she thinks about running, but then she decides to go back. Well, the two of them, they have Leatherface kind of a chain around his neck, and he's being dragged towards a meat grinder. Um, well, Heather kills Ollie using a pitchfork. Then she gives Leatherface's chainsaw, and he and the mayor kind of go at it, and they kind of fight back and forth. Come on, you can't, For- you can't ignore the worst fucking line in this entire franchise. Do oh, your he, thing, he, cuz. Yeah, do your thing, cuz. Well, I wanted to. <laughs> No, no, God damn it. This is my tantrum moment, too. Fuck. (laughs) All right, all right. She goes, do your thing, cuz. And she's all super excited to be a Sawyer now. Uh, She's talking like she's been a Sawyer forever uh, and that she's into all this town's blood feuds. So it's it's also like her friends weren't fucking murdered by Leatherface 20 fucking minutes ago. Yeah, right. But, I mean, really, the only one that you feel bad for is Kenny. It's like the other two were really her friends or her boyfriend because, I mean, they were fucking sleeping with each other behind her back. Right, but, like, the way to make us believe that she'd be okay with this is for her to find them and, like, see yeah. them fucking and then... Now, you know, she did get them in the bus or in the van. It Like, her boyfriend was shirtless. Yeah, she noticed it. She figured it out, but she didn't say anything. Like, they should have made it more obvious that yeah. she knew what was happening so that when yeah. Leatherface does finally kill her, she's okay with it we should have seen him we should have seen her turn on her friend and abandon her friend and say fuck you 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 know you here's here's what's even worse though leatherface didn't kill either one of the two yeah the cop killed 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 ryan he put her in the the freezer the the only one he killed was the one kid who didn't do anything to anybody besides the thief and that was kenny (laughs) you're right i felt that the only person you feel bad for in this movie is fucking kenny yeah he just took care of the bodies then well he technically caused the car crash so yes he did kill them well he killed ryan 
but he did not kill the girl. No, not technically, but yeah, she probably would have gotten hooked and then tossed it into the freezer. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was going to kill her. I'm not saying he wasn't. I'm just saying, on a technical basis, uh, because I've been now gaslit to thinking that Leatherface is a good guy. Just misunderstood. Yeah, the film is constantly trying to remind you that like, maybe he's not such a bad guy. They just murdered his entire family while he's killing people with no rhyme or reason. But then he's supposed yeah. to have the mind of an eight-year-old. But like, he should know and, and be taught that killing is wrong at this point. <laughs> and let's also remember, um, motherfuckers, you already showed the end of the first one, which means we have to be under the belief they were all still cannibals as well. So none of this, oh, we just want to be left alone shit. They're fucking also cannibals. Right, but we're supposed to ignore that because we pretend like that's not happening even though Leatherface is preparing food from some of the people that he killed. They're trying to make us be like, it's not all Sawyers, it's just this particular Sawyer. But they still protected a fucking cannibal necrophile murderer type guy. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ, it's like the most realistic portrayal of Ed Gein they could possibly get in a Leatherface here, you know, yeah. with this family, what they're really trying and like everybody's sheltering him and protecting him, basically. Like, that's what's going on and it's just so badly done and it's so fucking disappointing and I just, let's fucking put the, pull the chain on this and get it over with. Alright. Well, anyway, um, the sheriff shows up and he has his gun out, but she pleads for him not to shoot, don't shoot, so the sheriff doesn't and kind of even uh, uses one of the mayor's old lines of, you know, hey, you know, the what the good book says, eye for an eye. And uh, so then uh, Leatherface cuts the mayor's ankles. He gets dragged into the meat grinder in the worst fucking effect I've ever fucking seen in my life. Yeah, the CG in that was not Dude. good. I think they probably no. made it to be uh, 3D. And the fact yeah. that it's not in 3D ruins it because it looks really fake when it's not in 3D. Or maybe I it looks mean, terrible in 3D the as shits. well. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, it's the drizzling shits. So, um, they both go home, and, um, Leatherface and Heather, and she reads her grandmother's letter, and that's our final clip. Dearest granddaughter, this home and all it comes with is now yours. Just know that these gifts come with certain burdens. Your real name is Edith Rose Sawyer. Fonsworth was instructed to give you a set of keys to the manor. The large key opens the fortified door to the wine cellar. There, you will discover a metal door. Behind it lives your cousin, Jedediah Sawyer, your only remaining blood relative. He is family-bound and will protect you. He simply requires your care in return. Edith, you are the last of my line of Sawyer. My blood runs through you. The decision to stay is yours. Just remember, you're a Sawyer, and this is home. Even though it's the house of Carson. Yeah. Well, she she decides to stay. And she even takes his Leatherface's food plate away to go, of course, get him some more food, probably. And roll creds. But wait, no, because we have a post-credit scene. Mom and Dad show up and talk about how much they're going to say they love her. And he's Dad says, even for this money, you know, I, I might actually mean it. And they're just going to use her. And then all of a sudden, they hear a chainsaw, Leatherface bursts through the front door, and then roll credits. 
Yeah. Oh boy. Okay, so that's I, I've said everything I need to say. I, I think I've wrapped it up pretty well while we're watching this. Um yeah. so much of this film is such a fucking letdown with so many great little ideas. And it literally feels like a super fan of Texas Chainsaw Massacre throwing out ideas at you on too many energy drinks, like just spouting off yeah. a bunch of ideas all at once and then saying that's the movie and that's how the script becomes the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's so distracted. It's so uninterested in making a coherent timeline or doing anything that that really kind of works. It has so many fractured, interesting ideas and cool half-hearted attempts. And it just feels like this really like lackadaisical fan film that should not feel like that with that many producers and writers and all these people involved in it. It clearly was like a thought out planned film that is below the grade of most fan films that I've seen. It's rather disappointing in its final product. Right. Yeah, pretty much. And it's it's uh, it's because the the ideas that are good are actually really good in this one, and that's the thing that really breaks my heart because it's like it's such that's the part that's the thing that makes me not mad about it because there's so much stuff that they tried to do, and it's like man, you kind of had your heart almost in the right place here, man. But like this is not this is not how we conduct ourselves if we want people to think that we are a professional filmmaker. Yeah, right. You know, like that's how, and I I fucking feel horrible saying it that way. I wish I just hated it. It would be easier just to say I hated it, but this feels like I'm being more cruel. We're disappointed in it, but also I get mad because the more I think about it, the more I see how I'm being fucking gaslit into thinking Leatherface should be a sympathized, almost anti-hero. But, yo, but he's not. He's a fucking cannibal. He eats people. You know what? I'm willing. That's the fucking point. I'm willing to go with you on this journey, right? Okay, let's, let's say we do a thing where Return of the Living Dead is a jumping off point from Night of the Living Dead, just like Dawn of the Dead is. And that was, that was an attempt that actually John Russo made. Like, he wrote the novel Return of the Living Dead. He got the rights to use of the Living Dead. Return of the Living Dead makes references and snide remarks towards Night of the Living Dead, where they're like, hey, it's like that movie, but it didn't really happen like that here's what happened yeah okay you want to you want to actually show me the footage from the other movie and then tell me a different story and you want to reframe that then you give me an old man around a fucking fire who says no i'm not supposed to talk about this but all these years ago yeah. you know and you just like fucking spin me a tail and like but lead me into didn't. it yeah something like don't try and make me be like no what you thought you saw in this movie that we're clearly trying to remind you of is not what happened and this is what happened it is it's it's a gaslighting exercise as a film and and that is extremely frustrating. And if it was intentional, that's awesome. But if it was completely unintentional, this film needs to really look at itself and wonder why it has to treat its audience like that. Right. It has to do some deep soul searching for the harm that it is causing us. Yeah. And and it, it, okay, if you want to do the ima- reimagining, the retelling of Texas, but don't use the end scene where everything's the fucking same. His leg looked awful great for getting chainsawed. Yeah, right? It worked I mean, awful uh, great now. Like, And he's, what, maybe... Like, how young is Leatherface supposed to be 40 years ago when this film takes place, right? Yeah. I, I mean, he's still supposed to be fairly old. Right, but I mean, like... The ages don't match up. Nothing matches up in this movie. Yeah, but I'm thinking, like, Leatherface in 1973 couldn't have been any younger than, like, 16 or 17. Like, he had to be at least yeah. 15 to be that big and that mature and that built and that strong. He had to be at least in his later teens to be that big. You know, unless he yeah. shot up at 12, but I don't know many kids that shoot up and all, like, you know, get that big that fast, but also fill out that way. They usually just become like B 
beanpole tall and then fill out. You know, that takes another couple of years. You do one and then the other, you know, like he looks like he's at least 15, 16, maybe. So like he's 56 when this film starts with a chainsaw wound on his leg that probably wasn't treated very well and possibly burns and a bunch of PTSD and trauma. And we're supposed to believe that he can outpace teenagers still like, what does he train every day? Like, you yeah, know, right. He's, it, it, but, he, but he never left the house before. Right. Does he just run up and down the hallway? We need to know why all of a sudden he's just all this amazing. Is it all adrenaline? Like, there's a bunch of stuff that they just expect us to just, like, believe could be possible and not think about. And it is. It's totally a gaslighting exercise. If you feel like someone is trying to reframe a relationship the way that this movie is trying to lead your attention away from something, you need to examine your relationship, folks, if it feels like watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D. And that's all I got to fucking say. Let's stop. All right. We're going to play the Geek Radio Daily promo. We're going to have a little bit of music that was featured directly in Texas Chainsaw 3D, and we're really disappointed about that. And when we come back, we will have lots of feedback, which we are extremely happy for. Are you having trouble keeping up with the ebbs and flows of modern geekery? Is the real world holding you back from knowing what is happening in the geeky world? To answer these and other personal problems brought in by your friends, gaming group, and loved ones, Geek Radio Daily presents daily informational sessions brought to you by the wonderful Billy Flynn, the Flynnstress, and podcasting's Rich Siegfried. They contain such helpful segments as history, geek birthdays, box office results, the latest in DVD and Blu-ray, video game and comic releases. Why, they also have a weekly show hosted by the wonderful Billy Flynn and the Flynnstress, which includes interviews and commentary. And to make sure you are informed, Geek Radio Daily also provides you with your daily dose of geek news to make sure you know more than that jerk know-it-all Steve. Visit us at geekradiodaily.com. That's right, Geek Radio Daily. All the geek without the weight. Now available in fine Corinthian leather. the almighty by J.R.R. butler i believe is the name of the guy i i can't really recall off the top of my head but i know it's called the hand of the almighty if you look it up and it was featured briefly in the film (laughs) that's the song that we were talking about that ruined the tone for the drive that they could have used the song for the trailer but we're not talking about that right now what we really don't have time to do that we have just enough time for incoming mail 
All right. Okay, so we have three pieces of feedback. This is going to be a super long, supersized episode. Feedback time, though. Chris got a hold of us with Uh a happy 300 feedback. So it's our man, Chris, from Wisconsin. Here we go. Hey, Court Matt, my hunky boys. It's Chris from Waukesha calling in to congratulate you on passing the 300 mark. I see you've decided to cover our favorite cannibal redneck torture family, the Sawyers. And I think that's because, just like to them, the Saw is family, Psyops is family. And uh, you guys have been really impressive putting out high-quality material consistently. And that is pretty uh, unique in the podcasting world. And I listen to a lot of podcasts, but you boys are really special. Just wanted to say thank you for all the amazing episodes, all the hard work you guys put in. Uh, I've been on the show, so I've seen the rewrites to the scripts. I mean, that one episode I did with you boys, that, uh, that script, uh, was, uh, so multicolored from all the rewrites, it looked like a rainbow, it looked worse than the Aliens 3 script. So, that's, uh, that's a lot of work. But, uh, also I wanted to thank you, because, uh, as you know, last year I was very ill, and, uh, the PsyOps family reached out to me. I was uh, listening to your uh, coverage, the glorious Andy Sedaris movies, and uh, I didn't think I was going to make it, so I wanted to go out listening to Cinema PsyOps. Uh, it's the only thing that made me feel peaceful and happy at the time, but luckily I turned it around. Things are much better now, and uh, I really appreciate guys. Uh, getting together with uh, my uh, buddy, Mo Creek Chris, and uh, the other Chris from Two Strangers, One Podcast, my brother from Another Mother, and uh, sending me a little care package to get me through while I was uh, in the hospital all those months. It uh, really meant a lot to me. And uh, I've been around uh, since the beginning, and uh, so long that uh, I actually have pictures of Matt Syop's real face. I won't dox you, bro. Calm down, Matt. But uh, I want to say I love you boys. Keep up the good work. And uh, thanks for making the uh, Facebook group and the podcasting world a much more interesting and uh, delightful place. And uh, I want to thank you guys again. And uh, Bobo, Bo Ransdale, the... Uh, evil genius that uh, helps keep the Legion pirate ship uh, flag flying. Uh, He reached out to me too when I was sick and uh, when me and my daughter needed help. And I want to say that uh, Legion uh, podcasts are very special. We got a bond of a real community looking out for each other and uh, that's that's really unique. And if... uh, you guys ever need help or uh, any of the listeners uh, need somebody to talk to or need help, uh, reach out to me too, because we're all uh, I'll just paying it forward. So uh, keep up the good work, boys, and hopefully I'll be talking to you again soon. 
Bye. No, I'm not over here crying. Shut the fuck up. Jesus, that was amazing. Jesus Christ, man. That's some heavy emotion. Yeah, I, I, f- I am feeling some serious fucking feelings. Um, first of all, uh, the the thing that I have to respond to the most: Did he say that when he was in the hospital, our show gave him hope? Like, and that was the only thing that gave yeah. him peace. Like, I never feel hope when I do our show. That's amazing. No, I just like that is the most amazing thing anyone has ever told me in my life. Yeah, and in fact, at one point he said he didn't think he was going to make it, and he wanted to go listening to our show. Yeah, I can't. Even- I'm like, fathom that. I can't even fucking holy fathom that. Fuck. That's so amazing. And like That's amazing, man. Thank you, Chris. I am so Jesus. fucking humbled by that. I can't even Yeah. Yeah, Jesus Christ. That's something else. I'm not crying, Matt. You're crying. Well, no, I fucking I'm incapable of crying. I I drank that away. <laughs> no, Chris, that was thank you so much. That was absolutely everything I needed to hear uh tonight of all nights for sure. That was amazing. Thank you. That was uh that was really cool. Yeah, that's something, man. That leaves you speechless there. Wow, yeah. Um I hope that uh they're not all this emotional. I don't know if I can make it through them, yeah. but like that was incredible. Can, can the next one be like, you know, fuck Matt, what a dipshit. <laughs> fuck Matt. Fuck you, Matt. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah, Matt. Just something like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> fuck Matt. Fuck you, Matt. Fuck Matt. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Uh, we needed to have some clips to bring some levity because of that very, very touching, very yeah. wonderful moment. So uh, next up, we received a voice message, I believe, or some type of audio file from Cam Sully from Jacked Up Review Show. So here we go. As a thank you for many years of providing insane laughter doing atypical movie breakdowns, I decided to provide you with a new podcast promo that you can choose to use or not. Keep up the good work with your non-Disney-related movie reviews, as well as your WTF news reporting second half. And everyone else listening, enjoy the show. This year, the most abnormal minds cover the most gruesome movies of all time. Now, get ready to get your nuts smashed in. And then cut off. Matt Psyop. This movie made me sad. Court Psyops. The nostalgia is killing me. In Cinema Psyops. The best demented film podcast of all time. Available on most platforms where circle jerking is permitted. Rated X. Jesus Christ. Well, we definitely needed that. That was yeah. <laughs> that was definitely a spirit lifter. Um, I don't think that properly conveys what this show is, but it's fucking hilarious. That was good. That was uh, that was entertaining. <laughs> Cameron, is this what you hear our show when you would you what you described is this what is our show is to you? How are you hearing that? If I just like if I always say this movie made me sad, <laughs> I, yeah, like I'm seriously starting to question myself now. Like I'm wondering, like is, is this feedback gaslighting us? God damn it, is it? it I've been gaslighted enough tonight. <laughs> no, I think I think this is just Cam having some fun. Like it is fucking hilarious. It really is. But gaslighted <laughs> isn't real. It's all in your head. You made it up, but it's all in your head. <laughs> well, one thing that I definitely did not make up, and it's not all in my head, is our last piece of feedback from our friend Jason. Of and I always mispronounce this. I'm so sorry, but Triscadilla files. 
Delphiles? You said it real fast there. <laughs> yeah, on purpose. Triscodelophiles? On purpose. Triscodelophiles. Hey there, Court. This is Jason Gray from Triscodelophiles.com, The Bloodstream, Legion Inc., and Movie Misfits. I just wanted to check in and send you a message to congratulate you for going six years with only killing Matt, uh... Once or twice, according to my calculations. You have given us over 300 straight weeks where I know I can sit down every Sunday night and enjoy some hilarious discussion on yet another cinematic masterpiece. So once again, thanks and congratulations to making it to this momentous milestone, and I look forward to another six years and another 300 episodes, because otherwise, I don't know what I'm gonna do on Sunday nights. Because you guys like to joke how you're going to chase everyone away so you're only down to one listener? Well, I can guarantee that no matter how bad it gets, you will always have at least two listeners. Huh, I should really introduce the other one someday. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you, Jason. And so Bloodstream is his podcast, and the website is a name that I cannot pronounce, no matter how fast I try to say it and sneak it off. And Matt's only doing this because he knows he can't fucking do it, so he's not letting me out. He's going to dime me out and try and hope that I don't point out that he can't do it either yeah i can't i don't know what the fuck's going on (laughs) (laughs) no that was some amazing fucking feedback and a total spirit lifting experience thank you everyone for sharing that with us that was really really seriously incredible uh i hate to do this but i think it's a great uh ending note we're gonna go ahead and play the ending legion promo we'll have a little bit more music that was featured at the end of the soundtrack for the film so that we know that we're definitely out (laughs) (laughs) And when we come back, we will close out this really overlong show. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found. A picture of us in crop tops with bare stomachs. Late dazzling teens, liberated party queens, friends with vomit. But was it lost it in resistance as a wind the depths of me? Friction to my mind, orange one.
think people that are only listening on the main feed are uh, actually making out pretty good tonight. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, Closer to the Bone reminds me of the same kind of thing where I'm more disappointed in you music than anything. <laughs> like you, <laughs> you had some promise, you had some build up, and then just kind of no, you're not doing it for me. <laughs> yeah, I just can't stop. You did bad. I just can't stop saying bad things to this film. Well, if you'd like to find the 305 previous instances where I have been extremely way too harsh on a film because it has only mildly disappointed me, you can check that out on our main landing and or launching page, legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. We are also available on the gram of Insta for all of our shared memes, the memes of the people. Cinema underscore psyops is the repository for the people's memes. Keep that in mind. All of the memes are there to be shared. I don't steal your memes. I share our memes. Yes, they are the people's memes. Those memes are also shared to the people via the Cinema PsyOps Facebook group, which is clearly available on Facebook if it is a Facebook group. Yeah. There's also right? me on Facebook. I am available as Court PsyOp, and Matt is also available there as Matt PsyOp. Occasionally, but as Darren will attest to you, eventually he will just ghost you until you give up on him unless you end up married to him. Holy shit. <laughs> All right. No reason to get brutal out here. You can email feedback to Matt and say that 22 weeks of neglect is in fact time to get brutal. Psyopmatt at gmail.com. I thought we were having a funny. <laughs> you can email feedback to court and tell him the guilt trip is really strong this week. What the fuck is wrong with you, dude? Send him a psyopscourt at gmail.com. Hey, listen, I did gaslight you. Texas Chainsaw Massacre gaslighted. You've always known I'm going to be an unreliable prick in my whole entire life. You can tweet a couple of tweets to a couple of twats who are also unreliable pricks on the hate-filled shitfest <laughs> that is Twitter. <laughs> I am at court underscore psyop there, and he is at psyop Matt. I want to thank everybody who sent in the feedback. Uh, Cam Solly for the trailer. Jason of the Bloodstream for the very funny feedback and also Chris Mounts for that very touching, very moving moment. That gives me the strength that I need to kick the fuck out of this week and make it my bitch. It's the reason that I love you. It's the reason that I care. Why there is no one above you. Why no one Hey, start recording now on your side. I'm recording now. One, two, three. Okay, four clips total? Yep. Cool, cool, cool.
Oh, holy shit. To fucking do. Dude, we got a we got a fucking message in. Oh yeah? Yeah, we actually got a message in. That's awesome. All right, how's your waveform looking? I got to download Everything this message looks, and yeah. prep it. Sorry. Everything looks good. That's a good thing though. I don't mind starting the show just a little bit later cuz we got one more message in just in time. Yeah, right. That's actually a good thing. Yeah. Luckily for uh Jason, who is of Triskaidilophiles, he sent it in at 7:20 p.m. even though I said this cutoff was 7 p.m. CST. Uh-huh. But you and I recorded later cuz I had to give Mac a shot. And and, you know, yes. you were possibly running late. <laughs> Maybe I don't even know what we do anymore. <laughs> Usually I sit and wait on your ass and have to actually like tell you, hey, we're recording tonight. And then you're like, oh, yeah. And then you get up and do it. Wait, we're recording this? You better be fucking wow. recording on your side, my man. Oh, is that what that red button does? Jesus Holy fucking shit. Christ. This is amazing. Goddamn weeks of the love- same bullshit humor. If you were I love the- science. If you were half the fucking pleb that you pretend to be, I wouldn't even be able to fucking talk to you. <laughs> There's no, there would be no way the show would have lasted like a week. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would have been hitting you upside the head with a fucking oh, two by four be- in five minutes. <laughs> if I was that kind of pleb, you and I, I mean, my wife would have killed me by now. <laughs> Yeah. She's, my wife does not suffer fools easily. No, <laughs> be and like, yet she oh. still married you. I don't understand it. Yeah, that's because I'm not as bad of a pleb as I make it seem like I could be. So <laughs> you see what I do here is I show how bad it could be, but that I'm not that bad. It, usually that saves me. Your method of self-defense is to lower everyone's expectations that's to the point right. where you can meet them. <laughs> And then, and then I can't wait for other people to get shittier than me. And then that way, I got better without actually not ever having improved. So basically, you lower the tone of everyone around you and make them a worse person, so you seem not as bad as comparison. Yes. Now you're finally fucking getting it. <laughs> I knew this about you all along. I'm just getting you to say this on mic while we're recording. I mean, I, I was pretty sure I already said this on mic at least once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe 304 other times. I got uh, Jason's uh, email. I just want to check the audio after I leveled it real quick. Cool. Hey there, Court. This is Jason Gray from Triskaidekaphiles.com, The Bloodhead Dream, Legion Inc., and Movie Misfits. I just wanted to check in and send you a message to congratulate you for going six years with only killing Matt. Uh... Oh, this one's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. It's, it's a pretty decent level and everything. Let me export this. I didn't see where I just exported it, because I'm a fucking idiot. All right, well, now that's recorded, so... <laughs> that's great. Yeah, but now I know where it is, because all I did was just hit export again and saw the previous file path. It's true. <laughs> it's really not a big deal, and it was actually in the folder I thought it was going to be, because it was in the music, and I just got done leveling the music before I walked away for the day for my setup here, so I am so close to being done. So close. Yet so far so very, away. Very, we're so close. So close. <laughs> Ghostbusters. We're close on this one. I can feel it. I can feel it. <laughs> so very, very close. I'm going to number this accordingly. And... Ah. Uh, what? Better let me fucking cut this and paste it. Oh, you fucking cunt. Yeah, cunt. <laughs> There we go. Damn, we're going to have a long feedback section on this movie, which is probably a good thing. That's good. That's good. Because of what just happened here. So what's nice is all these silences that I have, it all gets cut out and it makes it sound like I do this super efficiently. But Yeah, of course. I mean... His truncate silence uh, is wait, the man. Wait, wait, wait. You you do do this efficiently. It doesn't seem like it. It is done efficiently. You're advanced. With as much oil and fat as I eat, yeah, I do do very efficiently. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's all in there, man. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, you ready to go? Yep. All right, let's fucking do this thing, man. 306. Here we go. It's yeah, a we have nothing to talk about the 20 minute mark. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're okay. Well, I can move this to the 20 minute mark. Yeah, that's you go true. ahead and finish, and I'll move it. That's fine. <laughs> Furnace left. I'm gonna hit the John. I'll be right back. Sorry, I'm back. All right. <laughs> Mac cornered so, me, so I <laughs> had to give him some love, <laughs> and he wouldn't let me not pet him, so I had to do it. I'm, I'm weak. <laughs> gives me the strength that I need to kick the fuck out of this week and make it my bitch. All right, we're out. All right, and I have stopped recording.